My radio station. Your radio station. Our radio station. The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good evening. Welcome to The Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. I've been absent for the last two weeks, but I'm back in the hot seat. This evening, we turn our focus on gang violence. It's not, of course, a new topic to the show, but a topic that keeps on coming up because our communities are affected by this day in and day out. Now, this evening, we'll be talking to various people from the ground to hear from them what's happening. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. You are welcome to participate in Burning Issue by giving us a call live on air on the number 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. We also have the Voice of the Cape WhatsApp line and the number for the WhatsApp line is 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. Now gang violence and murder on the Cape Flats has reached epic proportions over the past few months with at least one person dying every day. Over this past weekend, 13 people were killed in Philippi alone during two separate shooting incidents. And that's not to mention the gang crisis facing Hanover Park, Bonteville, Mannenberg, Bishop Lavis, Mitchell's Plain, Lavender Hill and elsewhere. Community Safety MEC Albert Fritz said two weeks ago that 1,600 bodies of murder victims had been counted at mortuaries between January and June this year, with many of them being victims of gang violence. And talk shop after talk shop, we still sit with countless meetings by Police Minister Becky Kele with communities but the crisis continues. Local activists say the police needs to get the house in order as the anti-gang unit has not been effective. We've heard, numerous re- we've heard numerous reports of infighting, budgeting and capacity constraints and even Minister Tlele admitted last month that his unit did not have enough officers. The Mitchell's Plain Community Police Forum cluster wants the minister to place the Western Cape under administration. Tonight we ask, is police infighting undermining the fight against gang violence in the Western Cape? Our guests in studio are A.B. Isaacs, of course no stranger to this program. He's the chairperson of the Mitchell's Plain Community Police Forum and also a member of the Mitchell's Plain Police, Mitchell's Plain Cluster CPF. And also joining him in studio is Lynn Phillips, and she's the secretary of the Mitchell's Plain CPF and also a member of the Mitchell's Plain Cluster CPF. Good evening and welcome to the show. Good evening. Assalamu alaikum to you and your listeners. Wa alaikum salam. Good evening and assalamu alaikum to you and your listeners. Welcome to the studio. Now, AB, I get scared when I saw you in person because I've always only spoken to you on the phone on the show. So it's good to see you and thank you for taking the time to drive out to the studio. It's Coat Peter and you guys made it. Thank you, both of you. No problem. Thank you. Yeah. So look, let's go straight to the topic. <coughs> um, infighting in the police is nothing new. Um, we also know that the Western Cape is a DA-run police, and nationally we've got a ANC-run police service. 
How is this impacting on the delivery of safety and security in our province? AB, over to you. Yeah, I think first and foremost we need to recognize that uh, within the Western Cape that we've got two spheres of government, three spheres of government. We've got local government, provincial government and national government. However, City of Cape Town, Western Cape, Cape and national. South Africa. Yeah. yeah. So, However, within the police, and we, we, we hold the police, that the, 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 the police is a national competency. However, you also get within um, the area called Metro, uh, Western Cape, you get your metro police and others which are, which are locally based in particular your city um, issues. What we've picked up for, and, and we go straight, what we've picked up for the past couple of years is that there's, there's been this infighting between the, 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 the two spheres of government. And when you say the two spheres of government, provincial and national, we've, we, we hold the view that these two departments or these two institutions that were democratically elected, somehow, somewhere, needs to find its other. They need to have find each other so that uh, we can have common ground in terms of policing, per se. Because the Constitution of, of the Republic of South Africa gives us that right. So, so based on that, we, 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 we've met, and, and I think it's no secret, um, if it is a secret, uh, let's, 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 let's unravel the secret. As the cluster um, provincial executive in Mitchell's Plain, just on Sunday evening we, we've met with the uh, Premier of the Western Cape. The same message I'm giving to you, the same tone, that's the tone I've given to the Premier of the Western Cape. Guys, you need to find, start finding each other. Stop this blame game. And I think we went into that meeting open-minded. Although there's already people out there with the action or the action that we've taken for the past uh, 14 days that have started to label us. And I want to categorically state it here for the record. I will not be bullied. We as Mitchell's Plain CPF will not be bullied by any political party. Okay, we can you elaborate what's going on? We, we, two weeks ago, we as the cluster met, but it was a build-up to the meeting where we said that we were giving Honorable Minister Becky Kelly 48 hours notice um, to deal with the issue around crime. However, we subsequently, um, this Sunday passed, not this Sunday, the, this previous Sunday, we took a decision that will go to the um, Provincial Commissioner's Office to stage and, and level our frustration. Because we've also picked up that the current, we, we read newspapers, yes, we on social media, we've picked up that also through, for the past year, two years, there's been this infighting within the South African Police Services. Specifically, and one can put it to, to, to it and, and, and note pulling punches, there's two camps. So one of our demands to, to, to our request and demands um, to, to Minister Baker Kelly is to put the Western Cape South African Police Services under administration. What does that exactly mean? What would that mean? That letter... Lynn, do you want to respond okay, to that question? Yeah. Um, I just want to say from, from our perspective is that um, whether you're a minister, MEC, a mayor, you're still a public representative and you are governed by the Public Service Act. So for us, um, service delivery becomes a priority. And, and if you look at what is currently happening, um, we can't allow that this juncture between the spheres of governance. Um, because each one has a specific role to play and it's around your citizens. The importance is the citizen of South Africa.
And for, for me, what I want to raise is the, the fact that we feel because of the division, the division within SAPs at, at the provincial level, that has major impact on service delivery, which is um, crime reduction in our communities. And, and, and because of this, this is where your gang element is taking um, advantage because they, they know these things. You must understand they're on social media, they read the newspapers, they, re they look at the news, so they know what is happening. And what we are saying, why we want the provincial um, SAPs under administration, because no longer can we have a SAPs that have two types of parallel structures running. There's no coherent approach from, from SAPs at the provincial level. Um, and for us, our understanding is that the one should complement the other. But currently, there is there is no complement between the two. Okay. So mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I also have questions because we also need to understand the impact, you know. When you say that the Western Cape Provincial Police and the National Police are not working together, I, I mean, uh, practically, what, what what are you saying? Are you saying they don't talk to each other? Are you saying they don't help each other fight crime? And also, what is the impact of that on us in the province? Okay, when when I speak, um, I only speak province. There yeah. is a split within the provincial SAPs, which is a national competency. I'm talking about the provincial commissioner's office, where the split is. There is two camps, as they call it, in the media. And what we are saying, that these two camps need to find each other. And who are these camps? Okay, there is uh, an alleged, the provincial commissioner's got a camp, and there's another um, a camp. Now, for us, being um, activists and being in the trenches. What we are saying is that, uh, and, and I plead to the National Minister and the National Commissioner, we understand there's a, a performance agreement. And the performance agreement should be based on outputs. And outputs is crime reduction for a provincial commissioner. And, and, and if we pick up the, the current state in, in, in on the Cape Flats, crime has increased. So how do they really do the measuring of the person's performance? That is our question. The other thing is when you put people within, and, and, and we understand that um, the community's plight is get rid of the provincial commissioner. We understand the performance agreements um, issue. So that needs to, that's an internal process. So if I can just inform you, if I can just rather rely you quickly on a News 24 report dated the 2nd of July, which states that the Western Cape Police Commissioner, Kumin Kosi Jula, will not be packing up and leaving in mid-July as reported earlier, the National Police spokesperson said. And that is Brigadier Vishnu Nairu, who is the national spokesperson, who said that it's not true and saying that the provincial commissioner has not been asked to leave, leave office. He's not being removed. He's just currently on vacation leave, and that was at the time. Now, um, according to independent newspapers and a Sunday Times report, there have been complaints regarding Jula around whether gang crime has decreased. There have also been questions over the shooting of six anti-gang unit members in Samora Michelle in formal settlements in June, and whether Jula's job should rather have gone to a local police officer 
you know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm referring now to the spat that you are talking about and this division within the Western Cape Police, questions around the leader of the Western Cape Police, whether that person is in fact fit for purpose. And running parallel to this, of course, has been the Western Cape government's lobbying for more police officers amid complaints that the province is allocated less officers per population ratio than other provinces. This has been an ongoing concern that the Democratic Alliance in the Western Cape has raised. They've done it even in this very studio when I was doing burning issue not so long ago. So, and of course, we've had safety and security MEC Albert Fritz talking about the numbers. And then also at the city level, we've had social, rather security and social services, mayoral committee member JP Smith saying that if gang violence and murder could be eradicated, Cape Town would no longer be labeled as the murder capital of the country. Well, I mean, that's not really news, but anyway. Um, what I really want to come to, though, is how the dysfunction in the police and communication between the police leads or rather impacts on our safety. That's very important. But um, let me just check the time. Do we need to go for an ad break? Let me just be sure. Okay, yeah, we're going for an ad break. When we come back, I really want you to tackle or tell us more about this idea of administration. And then we're also going to bring on another guest onto the show. Mm -hmm. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with your host, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are asking the question, is police infighting, undermining the fight against gang violence in the Western Cape? In this studio we have A.B. Isaacs and Lynn Phillips. They are both from the Mitchell's Plain Community Police Forum. And on air we welcome now, online rather, we welcome Abdul Karim Matthews and he's from the Bishop Labour's Action Community. Abdul Karim, welcome to Burning Issue. Thank you so much. So, Abdul Karim, we've heard from two of our guests how they have seen sort of infighting in the police impacting negatively on crime fighting in their area. How do you see this impact in Bishop Lavers? Well, look, I think before you talk about the current infighting, uh, you also have to understand that there's a, a historical context to that fight. Um, if you look at the attacks, for example, against Major General uh, Vieri and Lincoln, uh, this fight has been coming on for more than two years. Uh, the attempts to, um, to undermine the role that they play in the anti-gang strategy. Uh, so basically what is happening is that before we talk about the, uh, the infighting within fact, we have to look at the political question in terms of how this, uh, this state regards this uh, situation in the Cape Black and how SAT is responding to that. Um, if you look at the infighting currently between the AG unit and the watch unit, um, we've seen in social media and in the newspapers the, um, the attack on um, a particular section of SAT. But I think what people are missing out is whether this fight between the AGU and what is taking place or not, SAP has already failed patently in its mandate to protect the citizens of the Republic of South Africa. Okay. So, I mean, it, it kind of like smacks of, it's, it's so insulting then, you know, if we, if we hear about police leaders, you know, focusing more on their own job security when, it, when the 
province is is literally burying someone every day due to gang violence. I mean, the aim of this evening show is to talk not just to well, we really wanted to hear from people on the ground, you know, what impact yeah. this is having. So, I mean, for example, the Bishop Labour's Action Community, uh, you know, are you impacted, you know, in a way of resources and so on when it comes to sort of like the police? Sketch an idea for us of, of your, your police resources in Bishop Labour's. Okay. If you look at Bishop Labour's, we're talking about um, an estimate between fifty to 70,000 people living in Bishop Labour's by Alapa, Waikadah, right? And a section of Teha. However, the SACS, the local SACS police station in Bishop Labour's also services the community of Bontier, where we're talking about another 50 to 60,000 residents. In other words, Bishop Labour's police station doesn't have, doesn't have enough cops to curtail uh, the gang violence in our area, let alone in our neighboring working class community of Bonjil. So how does it play out? Um, when a phone call is made to SAC, you first have to traverse the long delay. You are lucky if SAC responds within one hour of a reported shooting. Now let's for argument's sake assume you get through to the landline and SAC is on the line. What then happens is the next excuse is that there are no available police vehicles to dispatch to a particular crime scene. And we're talking about Bishop Labour alone. We're not even talking about the same police station servicing our working class neighbors in Bondevo. In other words, there's simply not enough cops stationed at our police station. Now to take a step back, Instead of just talking about Bishop Labour's, um, you will know that the Bishop Labour's has been talking about this ongoing war and its denial for the last two years. Yeah, only in the recent times, certain sections of the public, including the state, is also now talking about a war. But literally what we're having at the national level is the under-resourcing of police stations in terms of personnel, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of resources, within working-class communities. Now, if you extrapolate from that, basically what I'm saying is this is a class issue. The same police station that you would find in Bishop's School, Cairns Bay, um, Bantry Bay, and all the Lani areas um, within the Western Cape, they, they have not just sufficient police for their areas in terms of whatever crime is reported in that area, but they do not have the level of gang violence that we have in the Western Cape. So we're talking about not just insufficient resources, but when you do have the resources, it is not efficiently allocated to working class communities. In other words, it's a class issue. These working class people are dying. Now, just recently, um, with the uh, killings in Samora Machal, and Philippi East, take it clearly. The Minister of Police, we're not just talking about the inciting now, we're going right to the top of the, of, of, of the pyramid of their hierarchical structure. He's on record as saying that they are not losing this war. Now, I put it to you, Yazid, and to your listeners. We're talking about close to 2,330 deaths from January 19, 2019, until July 2019. Um, how else can you call that but in fact, a war? And how can the Minister of Police clearly make the actual claim, which is ridiculous, that Satch is not losing the war? Because you're not finding 2,350 deaths within six months in Camps Bay, Bantry Bay, and Seaport. These are working class communities, and it's working class communities that are suffering this war. And Satch, I'm telling you now, it's not just the infighting between the ADU and more. We have to go right to the top. Our demands that we had 
permanent base camps in each affected hot zone, tactical response in each affected hot zone. We were making these demands since last year already, and to date, none of those demands have been delivered upon. I want to speak to you briefly about the people that's in your audience as, uh, in your audience as well and the panel, the CPF structures and the neighborhood structures. Let me start with by saying that they do wonderful work. The vast majority of them are volunteers, right? They feel something for the community and they've taken the responsibility to patrol their streets. But just think about it now. If you look at the working class community of Pontevo Langa, they do not have CCTV cameras in their homes. They do not have electric fencing. They do not have private security. All of those resources you will find in the suburbs, in the rich areas, in the powerful areas, in the elite areas. In other words, a radio, for example, will cost 10000 Very few of the labeled watch structures, as well as the CBS structures, are in fact resourced. Now, they in fact work with the cops directly. Mm-hmm. Committee-based organizations like Black, we... Um, we do not have that kind of relationship with SAPs. Yeah. Abdul Karim, Abdul Karim, excuse me. They, do, they work with SAPs, but SAPs do not even resource them for the fight against this. Yeah. Let's just quickly go for an ad break. When we come back, we'll continue. We just need to go for a break. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And this evening we asked the question, is police infighting undermining the fight against gang violence in the Western Cape? We've got various guests in studio and also online. Um, I want to answer a question, uh, please, uh, A.B. Isaacs, that we asked earlier. And the question was, you've said that the Western Cape needs to be under administration. Now, what would that mean? I think basically what it simply means is that once you put a department or some a department under administration, which simply means that the National Commissioner takes full responsibility of the province, which means that all the deployments, all the um, deployments, the running, the day-to-day running, directly under his command. Or alternatively, he plays a person from his national office to oversee um, the running of the, the, the province. But why would we need to do that if we have provincial leadership. We've got a Western Cape Police Commissioner, Kombin Kosi Jula. I think basically let's, let's, let's be unpopular. Um, three years in a row, um, crime has just escalated. So you're saying the guy is not fit for the job? Indirectly we can say that. Um, we believe that um, I've got a contract, I work for a company, I've got a contract of employment. If I don't execute and if I don't deliver to that contract of employment, this 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 um, this ways to deal with it. I, I, I think I just want to quickly leave it, uh, go to another point. 22nd, late November 2018, five police stations in the country, just after the releasing of the crime stats, five police stations in the country were summoned to the portfolio committee. Mitchell's Plain, Nyanga were the two stations in, in the Western Cape. The other three stations were from Gauteng, specifically addressing the issue, crime have, uh, in terms of the stats, crime is out of control, what are you doing in terms of partnership? And I need to state it for the record that we've got a good, best working relationship with our local station commander. However, his hands are also tied in terms of some operational matters. But operational matters, we don't deal with it because that's internal. Okay. Let's quickly just acknowledge some of the messages that are coming through on the WhatsApp line. 
Um, listener 7606 says, so why do the Western Cape people still vote for the Democratic Alliance? Big changes were made in the ANC camp. We should allow them to take over. Listener 7141 says, you know, nothing has been done in Hillview. Every hour shooting is going on. Police is doing nothing here. They will rather just come out if there's a man and woman fighting. They're just here on the corner. They don't even patrol. Lots of gangsters as friends with the police. Everyday people are dying here in Hillview. Why don't they bring the death penalty in? Then crime will slack. Where's Hillview, guys? Uh, Levendale. Oh, it's Levendale. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then 8691 says, Police fighting for job security, maybe, but sounds more like fight for survival as no one goes into these hot areas to quell the shooting and innocent lives are lost while mothers cry. So, of course, the views expressed on the show, particularly, uh, you know, of our listeners, are... Not the views of the voice of the Cape, it's management or staff, but we are a community platform and we do allow people to share their opinion on the radio station. Abdul Karim, let's wrap up with you. Uh, you know, are you, do you have any other thoughts perhaps? I mean, you know, AB has been saying maybe the police, you know, the Western Cape police should be put under direct control of the national minister, but will that even be a solution? What is the community or rather the Bishop Lovers Action Community see, you know, as a solution for the fighting that they see around them all the day, all days? Um, our view is quite simple. I would agree with A.B. when he says Jula is useless and completely ineffective and incompetent. At the same time, we have to go up one level in the command structure. The National Commissioner that he wants uh, to place uh, the Western Cape under administration, that Commissioner is also fully aware, that National Commission is also fully aware of all our demands, and to date they still have not declined for our demands, so he's incompetent as well. Let me go up his head. The Minister of Police is the problem, because he would still have to give that instruction to place the Western Cape under administration. And what we are saying is that when we brought this issue of this war to the attention of the Minister, we were at certain demands, like I said, the hot, uh, the hot zones were destroyed by permanent base camps, permanent tactical responses, and permanent AG units in each area. Minister of Police, Big Thailand, has still not responded to those demands and those problems that he made. He was just in uh, Samora Marshall and he said we're not, he's not losing the war, and they placed that area under 72-hour lockdown. Now just tell me, how is it possible to put Samora Marshall under lockdown, as you should, but the rest of the Cape Black is dying? Mm-hmm. In other words, the entire police command structure is completely ineffective, and it includes Vieri, and includes Lincoln, and includes the Minister of Police, and includes the national government, because, like I said, if this had happened in the rich areas, I am sure much more would have been done. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Abdul Karim, shukran so much. Thank you very much for your time this evening for joining us on the show. Um, Thank you to you and your listeners as well. Yeah, and we wish you all the best with the work in Bishop Lavis. Thank you so much. We will continue. That there was Abdul Karim Matthews. He's a member of the Bishop Lavis Action Community, of course, expressing very emotively the kind of society that he believes, you know, we should see. And he says the police minister all the way to the top is part of the problem. So, yeah, Avi, these are big questions that we are asking, you know, but it's very important for us because we need to understand the impact of the infighting. Um, we look now to another news report where it states that police minister Peggy Kelly.
said he is not investigating the infighting between senior police officers in the Western Cape. So he's essentially turning a blind eye. He's saying, you know, I am not going to even consider this, right? However, he is requesting a report following allegations that the major offences reaction team had been set up to rival the anti-gang unit. Can any of you elaborate on this? I think first and foremost, Amod, which is a major offences reaction team, was set up um, from our understanding by the provincial commissioner. We also need to understand that um, I think 2nd November year 2018, the anti-gang unit was established by the President of the Republic of South Africa. We also need to understand that that particular unit, and we, we are vocal and we're going to say it publicly as the CPF, that the anti-gang unit have made massive strides. But however, we've started seeing that somehow things are not liquor. So why are they fighting each other? Well, what's going on? Why do they not see eye to eye? I think for, for me it's, it's because the one unit has been established by the provincial commissioner. The one was a presidential decree. And I think for, for, for us at, at, at grassroots level, the impact of this the impact of this is, is, is very, very, very um, sad. No? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say why. It demoralizes the staff at, at the local police station because they feel the brunt of, 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 the, of um, this impasse between the, the provincial leaders. Um, I also want to say that because of this, crime has is, 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 um, spiraled out of control. Because as I indicated earlier, that gangsters or, or your gang members also read n- newspaper. They're also on social media, so they understand what is happening. And that is the gap that they take in order to make us, um, our communities, um, very, very much, um, how do I put it now, very unsafe to live in. And, 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 and I just want to get to the one thing of the base camp that the gentleman earlier raised. Mitchell Spain had a base camp for almost a year. But there was no impact, real impact. Um, so for us is, is the base game, we asking the question, is the base game really effective? It wasn't that effective for us in, in Mitchell's plane. Because around the base game, certain things still happen. Killings still happen, shootings still happen daily um, around the base camp. So for us, as Mitchell's plane, we say no, that we don't really I want the base camp again because we had that already. I, I think I want to echo on that. And I think one of your listeners also indicated that somebody standing there, police standing on the corner, she was literally referring to the base camp and doing nothing. Um, the Hillview person. Um, and I think we also need to unpack that one of the demands that we've made and, and we are vocal, yes, people have classified us as being political. We are political, we are pushing a political agenda. When we ask for the South African Defence Force to come and assist. And I think we need to because unpack... Because that is what the DA is saying and people are assuming that you are supporting the DA if you say that. That's correct, but obviously people have the right to their own opinion, they, they have the right to that. Um, you know. But however, let's, let's unpack the reason why we're calling for, for, the, for the South African Defence Force. We cannot have a situation where EMS um, 
personnel also get attacked in certain areas. We've seen for the past um, month and a half that members of the South African police services also get attacked. Isn't that the core mandate of the South African Defence Force? Once the state, and I believe that's the state, an EMS member, once he or she comes on duty, a police officer, when once he or she reports for duty, that's the state. Once the state gets attacked, obviously then it means that we have a crisis. And what we've been saying, we and, and, and we've been saying as Mr. Splain, we have a low-key civil war on the Cape Flats. So it, it, necess, it necessitates another formation to come in, which obviously from our view is the South African Defence Force to deal with that. Because you have a situation where the police needs to escort ambulances to areas where that police officers or that vehicle could have been freed up to do crime prevention. Now that vehicle needs to escort a, an, an, an emergency services. And, and those are the reasons why we're calling on uh, the, 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 the South African Defence Force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to add, um, in 2017, um, I called the Provincial Commissioner and I indicated because cr- crime was out of control in Mitchell's Plains specifically. And I, it, it was on the Saturday and I said I want a meeting immediately with all the leaders of, of, of Mitchell's Plain. Um, the outcome of that meeting is that we came up with a 16-point plan um, which would take Mitchell's plan forward in order to, to minimize crime within our communities. And I want to state it for record. The community has delivered on their mandate. The provincial commissioner didn't have the decency to come back and say what they have implemented from this perspective. The only message I received was to say that the station commander needs to implement. Now you tell me a station commander being suspended for almost a year. He comes back and then he must implement. He was wasn't he paid part his salary while he was suspended? He was without salary and with salary. First with salary and then without salary. Mm. So how can you then expect a person that comes from suspension to implement when there was engagement from the community to you stating? And we kept our end of the bargain. We gave the information. So what we are saying as volunteers in Mitchell's Plain, can we trust the provincial commissioner? Because we don't know where the information went to. Because if he had the world to to implement, it would have had impact. But to date, nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. I want to take that matter further. And and I believe that last year, just May, I think around this time, there was a meeting with the same minister, Becky Kelly, in Tafelsig, where we also resolved around certain resolutions, key outcomes, roadmaps, whatever fancy words you can call it. That is what we agreed to jointly as the partners, as the CPF and, and the ministry, up until today, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Over and above, yes, we acknowledge that we are thunder. Um, and, 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 and thunder were the sp- specifically deployed to the base camps, as our learned colleague have indicated. But, you know, some of these base camps have, have, have been working. When they started off, they were good. But somehow the, the novelty started to wear off. Let me just quickly look at our listeners. Listener 8356 says, Salam, I stay in Manenburg for more than 25 years. Some police are corrupt and a few years ago Pagad wanted to come into Manenburg. The gangsters were scared and even the big boss was scared. So my input is that Pagad should come back to our townships. Then we have another listener saying, please get Pagat to help. And of course, just to reiterate, the views expressed in this program are not the views of the Voice of the Cape, it's management or staff. We now welcome to the show Colin Arendse, he's a community activist and someone who's always vocal on issues of community safety. Colin, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. 
Good evening, Sidney, to your listeners and your guests. Yeah. Colin, let's get straight into it. The anti-gang unit came into effect last year. Has this been effective? Does it, according to my information, there's been over a thousand arrests. Um, those arrests speaks for itself. Um, it may not be what the people want to hear, but these guys are doing great work. A way of example, in an area called Clark's Estate, which is in Elsie's River, um, a very notorious gang leader was arrested a week or two ago. Uh, I believe the gang mentioned these, the young ones. Since that arrest, there have been no further incidents um, in Clark's estate. So I believe, yes, the anti-gang unit is working, despite being without a budget. Yes, they are still working. Okay. Now there's also a counter-strategy to the anti-gang unit. And that is labelled, and I want to get the correct wording. I want to say it out in full. Sorry. Major offences reaction team. Exactly. Yeah. The major major offences reaction team. Um, this has been, you know, uh, seen as a counter strategy to the anti-gang unit. Now, how did this come into effect? Okay, yes, you're quite correct. MORT, for short, M-O-R-T. Um, yes, Yazid, that, that unit came into being after the president launched the anti-gang unit. Right? Um, you must remember that MORT actually was in existence before. There was a MORT 1, as it was called. I believe the year was 2017. In something like three months, um, according to my information, no arrests were carried out. Um, what they succeeded to do, though, was to write off three vehicles. Uh, two of them were high-performance Ford STs. The other one was a Toyota Fortuna. These were the vehicles of the Flying Squad. Now, unfortunately, as it what happens is when you you know, put together all these fancy units. Um, you actually draw members away from existing units. So Mort 2 came into being this year, around about February, under the command of General Muncie. Now, Muncie is one of the two ICs to General Jula. And Muncie's task is, um, is the Deputy Provincial Commissioner for Visible Policing. Right now, this unit Mort um, has been in the news for all the wrong reasons. One of the reasons is that members of the flying squad gave blue light protection, um, as well as um, um, you know um, conveyance uh, duties and, and, and guarding duties to the pastor of General Muncie's church. I have video footage and photographs, you know, to confirm that. So it's basically an abuse of resources. No wonder our communities and my colleagues there in the studio are complaining about the lack of resources. It is precisely because we have incompetent police officers like Muncie and Jula who are dreaming up all these fancy subunits almost, okay, yeah. mm -hmm. where, we, you know, functions are being duplicated. To give you an example... Colin, I just need to go for a quick ad break, please. Colin, hi. I just quickly need to go for an ad break and then we'll continue. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape.
Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And listeners, shukran for your input. We do receive your WhatsApp messages on the number 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. And also you can phone us into the studio. The number is 021-442-3530. Listener 6227 from Mitchell's Plain. Listen up, guys. CPF. Your... Uh, Somebody living in your neighborhood says, Salam, I stay in Mitchell's Plain, and as you are debating, shots are going off. We are just waiting to be shot. That's the reality of people on the Cape Flats as we speak in studio tonight about infighting in the police and how it's affecting on safety in the Western Cape. Abby, do you want to say yeah, something? I, I, I've been making this point throughout since last week. The unfortunate situation is that there's the reality of people live, work, go sleep with, with shots, raving. They woke up with shots raving. Unlike uh, other people, that's when they switch on Netflix, they get to hear the live shots. That, yeah. that's, that's the reality. Look, so, the so reality the is people, our tax money is being spent somewhere on something instead of keeping people safe. That is the reality. Yeah. Colin, did you want to continue your point earlier or wrap it up? Because I have other questions as well. Very briefly, um, Sita, this Operation Mall that I was referring you to, referring to earlier, to give you an example, um, General Muncie um, gave orders for 287 members of the police service to join up on Operation Mort. It was an instruction, not a debate. So, members from the Flying Squad, the TRT, which is your tactical response team, POPS, which is your um, um, you know, uh, public order policing services, K9, the dog unit, and various police stations throughout the province were just instructed to um, appear for duty, um, and they had to, because it was an instruction from the general. There was 125 vehicles, yes, it, that was taken from the Flying Squad. PRT from Ops. So now what you're doing is you are taking resources away from where people are doing or performing existing functions. Okay? Um, that is a recipe for disaster. I mean, the Flying Squad, by their very name, you know, they are, you know, these are the guys who usually patrol on your highways, for example. So if there's a cash in transit heist or a business robbery, okay, and the guys look for the quick getaway, either to the M3 or the M4 or the, you know, the M5, N1, whatever, then these are your STs and all these high-performance vehicles you see flying past you because that's their job. They cut off, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the criminals, and, and they have been unable to perform their duties. I mean, two weeks back, Yazid, I'm talking about now the Cape Peninsula. Okay, it was a Sunday evening. There were only two vehicles and eight members of the flying squad on duty on the night shift for the entire Cape Peninsula. Because General Muncy is sitting with the rest of the vehicles and the rest of the members. Now remember, Yazid, they're operating off a budget of 1.1 million rand a month. So since Fed, we're talking like roughly five and a half million, but yet for the month of April, they didn't make one arrest. Now this is the very same unit that Generals Jula and Mansi set up deliberately to counter that of the anti-gang unit. So now we have two officers who by the very virtue of their rank, as it, 
their rank gets commissioned by the office of the president. So the president comes down, he launches the anti-gang unit, and you have two officers who are showing their middle finger to the president, who is also the commander-in-chief, as well as government and our people. And that is why I think you have this mess in the Western Cape, because of these incompetent police officers who are running our police service into the ground. Mm-hmm. It's shocking when you put it into perspective in that way and with this kind of analysis that we are paying people who are meant to keep our citizens safe and they are not doing their job but merely wasting our money. Uh, the other question I want to ask you now is, there are reports that Police Commissioner Kombinkosi Jula is being deployed to another province. Can you maybe tell us what are your insights on this? What do you know about this? Yes, it's um, from the word go. In 2016, I let it be known that Jula was the wrong appointment. Right? According to my information, General Vieri scored very high and was the preferred choice in that meeting. However, because of then Premier Helen Ziller and the DA's views on General Gary, that meeting, for whatever reason, took a decision to make a default appointment. And that default appointment was Jula. We now see the results of political interference. Okay. You must remember, as it without being disrespectful, Jula comes from the pre-1994 era. You know, when most of us were in the in the trenches, you know, fighting in the struggle, he was already in the police force, as it was then known, doing whatever it was he was doing. In the case of any area, um, I think about the most important crime here besides your cash and transit heists, probably would be taxi violence. There is not. Uh, gang violence as we have it here on the Cape Flats. Um, so I would have thought that somebody with a bit of experience uh, would be the preferred choice. But thanks to Helen Ziller, we are where we are now, which is in a complete mess because Chula was clearly the wrong appointment. With regards to his um, pending um, move to the KZN, um, you know, I, I, have, I have no control over that. I only read papers like you do. And, and um, I would say, you know, um, 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 you know um, the sooner he leaves, the better it will be. I mean, how do you explain is it, the fact that on the very day that six members of our anti-gang unit were shot, okay, on that day, he decides to take leave. We have a police minister who was out of the province. He wasn't even here, okay? He flew in. He was a cabinet lechotla on at that time. But he flew in from government duty to spend time with the victims, okay? And, you know, Yazid, you know, I'm not a, 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 a forensic specialist, but, I mean, you know, I, I use common sense. I use my brains, okay? Now, I go back to the shooting of the six AGU members, right? My question is... How does six cops get shot all at once? Okay, either you are the world's best marksman or there were two shooters. Now, if there were two shooters, that means it was an ambush. So I'll leave it there for now. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll take another ad break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation.
Welcome back to The Burning Issue. We are almost done with the show. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. Of course, this evening we have been talking about the infighting in the Western Cape Police and, of course, importantly asking how this impacts on safety of people in the province. Colin, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Thank you. Yeah. Colin, let's let's start wrapping up. Um, you know, I think what's also important to ask is... You know, what are the other concerns around high-ranking police positions within the police service in the Western Cape? Let us understand what the challenges are because the infighting on top certainly seems to have a negative impact on the ground on civilians. Okay, there's quite a few, so let me try and be brief, okay? Let's just take a look at the bigger picture because I see that, you know, you have some political parties calling for the state of emergency, um, bringing the army and then you know, all of those things. Okay? Do you think we need the let, army? Let me, okay, let me, let me answer you and then, and then I will get to that, all right? Okay. Uh, you, will, you will see, by the way, I respond where I'm, where I'm coming from, all right? Um, let, let, let's deal with the fact here, Zid, okay? Um, three of our generals, and, and, and unfortunately we have to give credit where it's due, so, so, so allow me the space. Three of our generals, very, very experienced generals, um, Peter Jacobs, Jeremy Vieri, and Andre Lincoln, together with a very efficient team of detectives and visible policing members, uh, were behind the arrest. Now, now this has never happened as it before in the history of our country, okay? Where an entire gang, the whole gang, okay, was sentenced and locked up as we speak. I'm talking about the Atlantis Fancy Boys. That has never happened in our country before, right? But the interesting thing is, it is that a DA councillor from the area, Barbara Russ, declined to testify in aggravation of sentence at the High Court trial of that gang. The leader there was Malik Peterson, him and his henchmen and everyone else. Some were sentenced to um, um, life terms, others to, to, to huge terms, 15, 20 years, for, for, for terrorizing the community of, of um, 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 Atlantis. Then we have Willie Jafter, or Jafter, another DA councillor. Okay? This clever dude tried to influence a high court judge okay, by writing a letter on a city of Cape Town letterhead requesting a more lenient sentence in the High Court trial of George Herbert Thomas That's and 15 others. That is so funny. What? Um, um, you know, so, 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 so how do you, what do you expect the police members on the ground to feel like? This is what is happening, you know, in, you know, amongst the politicians. Then you have Dan Plato, who used to be the NEC uh, for community safety, is now unfortunately the mayor. Um, um, you know, of, of, of the city. Um, he is seen regularly in the company of gang bosses. We're talking, you know, Ernie Lustach, Celine John, and, and a whole host of others, you know. So, so what message are you sending out according for the state of emergency? You know, you, you, you have to deal with the facts, right? Then you have police um, uh, management, senior management. Again, you know, I, I, I have to bring in General Mansi here. All right. Um, over the last couple of days, I don't know if you if you're on Facebook, you would have seen my posts. 
um, you know, there, there's a very worrying thing, Yazid, where it has become very apparent that police vehicles are being used to commit crimes. Mm-hmm. Okay? About two weeks ago, um, a, a very uh, uh, wide awake um, a patrol in the Melbourne area came across an Opel Corsa and a VW Caddy. Okay, and they effectively interrupted a crime that was about to occur. These were police vehicles. A Toyota Fortuna has also been, you know, spotted and is involved, you know, in the commissions of crimes. And and this morning I, I, I posted, a, you know, a story regarding a, a, a police double cam with a call sign X-ray Papa Double Two. This vehicle, yes, it was involved in more than one crime in the northern suburbs of the Cape Peninsula, okay? So I, I was very scathing this morning when I wrote directly, uh, publicly, to General Mansi. And I said to him, if I carry out an inspection right now, will he be able to explain to me and tell me where this vehicle is? Is there a logbook? Where are the keys? Who was the last member who had possession of this vehicle? Now, the police standard response of late as it has been uh, that the possibility exists that these vehicles could be cloned. Well, if it is cloned, then bring the original vehicle to me. Where is X-ray Papa Double Two? That double cab, where is it? Bring it to me with the keys and the logbook and prove to me that it's not a cloned vehicle. Because, yes, it, the information I have is that that vehicle is a police vehicle and it is the original police vehicle. Why am I mentioning this? Because General Mansi is in charge of all police vehicles in this province. Okay? So now my question is, where is the command and control? How can you be the head of visible policing in this province and you have no control over your vehicles? So I hear the call of my colleagues there in studio and the people on the ground about resources. This is what happens, Yazid, when you have a duplication of functions, a duplication of resources. I take you back, I heard earlier on when I uh, tuned in via your switchboard, somebody speaking about um, 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 Brigadier Cass um, um, Gullen, okay, and the issue of those guns, all right? Those guns, Yazid, were stolen, and, you know, when it was stolen, it was under the custody and control of General Goss, who was now retired. Okay, but those guns were under the so-called Wendy Stability Unit. Another uh, dream of General Mansi. Okay, so when you have mayhem, okay, when you have no control, when you have no plans, then things go awry. And at the disciplinary hearing of Brigadier Gulen, okay, the the presiding officer who is another general from up north somewhere, but is also an advocate. He was very, very scathing judgment handed down because he instructed um, General Chula to launch an investigation. He said, you can't have 15 guns and 225 rounds of ammunition going missing. That is theft. That is a crime. And the whole purpose of generals um, Chula and Mansi, um, Goss and Dunk, okay, was to use Brigadier Kuhl, Brigadier Kaskulin as a scapegoat, okay? As we now all know, Brigadier Gulen was found not guilty, okay? But Chula ignored the instruction 
of general assembling the advocate, okay, by not launching an investigation. What I did then, as a concerned taxpayer and, and a member of my community, I laid the charges myself, okay? I asked IPIC to investigate. They came back and they said, this is definitely a criminal investigation. I must follow the route by the police, okay? That's an ongoing matter. What does the Ombudsman, who is now General Brandt, the very same person who investigated Kaskulum, what does he do? Through his office, which is the DA uh, Police Ombudsman's office, it's the only one in the country because it's not recognized in terms of our national constitution. What does he do? He lays charges against me. I'm the whistleblower in this matter. So, so why does he want to pervert the course of justice? Let the police finish the investigation because an advocate said you must investigate the theft of these guns. This is theft. So yes, yeah, it you know we we have problems. We we have major problems, you know, in this province. But deep down I am convinced, okay, that even with the you know, the the resources that we have, I believe if we have the right management in place and we use the resources optimally, okay, we will get results. We are not there yet because we had this idiot Jula Adani for three years. He's made a complete mess of policing in this province. He has run it with Jules, with Muncie into the ground. We now need new blood, fresh blood, somebody who understands gangs and how to deal with them, and we need somebody whom the members and our public will respect. And once we have that person in place, I think we'll have a different Cape and a different Western Cape. Colin, Orange community activist, your stories sound almost like tales from movies. The things you are telling us, the, the kind of things that sound almost like conspiracies happening right here in our province, it really leaves one shocked. Listener 7505 says... This is a really good program. We definitely need to follow up. I can't seem to hear enough of the police incompetence. Jula and Munchi must go, and the and so must the useless MORT unit. It must be closed down. The criminals and the crime bosses are winning while the police are fighting each other. I still do have hope that only the local police will win this criminal battle. Colin, do you have any closing remarks before we let you go? Because we have to go for an ad break in about a minute. Okay. Um, look, yes, it's, um, you know, I suppose one of the questions that have been thrown at me, you know, recently, and I suppose to yourself as well and to the media, yeah, before I forget, I must actually thank the media for really coming to the fore, you know, over the last couple of weeks. It's almost like a crescendo, okay? And, and, and you guys have been good the way you've been reporting it. Except, of course, for the Sunday Times, they base their stories and lies and, and fake news. But, but you know, you know if, if, if the question would be, what is government doing and can you see successes? Well, I mean, if you have people like Michael Boyson, Jimmy Kemp, Jerome Bosman, Malik Peterson, you know, Salim John, George Cadell Thomas, these are some of the most hardened gangsters in the history of our country. They are all serving life terms at the moment. Um, them and their cohorts, um, I did a rough count earlier on um, Yazid, this is, you know, uh, you know um, 
there's been, you know, effective, you know, um, results. Maybe not what the communities want to see, but I mean, you know, these gangsters and their cohorts currently serving a combined total of 819 years imprisonment. And that's excluding the 26 separate lifetimes. So yes, poker, the uh, Prevention of Organized Crime Act, is working. The anti-gang unit, as I mentioned earlier, more than a thousand arrests. Um, I don't have the exact figure, but that's been confirmed to me. Um, and then in, in closing, you know, is, is government doing uh, what it needs to do? Well, uh, maybe not to everyone's satisfaction, you understand, but they are trying. I mean, the president came down and he formed this unit. Uh, the minister recently announced it's going to be, um, you know, broadened out to a, to a national level, and that's good. Um, you know, we, we have similar problems elsewhere in the country. And in closing, um, you know, um, on the, sadly, on the, on, the, on, the, on the very same day those six members were shot, there was a very important high court case, which I think the results of which just seemed to have got lost in all the reports that followed. But I, I, you know, I must just mention that, you know, um, um, four hardened gangsters, Ferret Francer, Michael Adams, Aldrich Adams, and Chestwell Essop, they were all were sentenced to life imprisonment on the 12th of June. Let me leave you with the words of Judge um, Robert Henney. He said, a strong message needs to be sent out that the courts will protect society from gangsters who are a rule unto themselves. So yes, small steps indeed. Mm-hmm. But I think here in the Western Cape Yazid, if we get the right person in place to run this province the way it should, we will make the Bambanani program work. We will make the street committees and the base camps work. We will make sure that our police vehicles do not get stolen, Yazid. How embarrassing that must be. Mm-hmm. How do you have a police vehicle stolen? Mm-hmm. And I'm a slave person on the ground. And I can tell you that X-ray Papa Double Two has been stolen. I'm telling you. It's been seen at the scenes of crimes. Can General Mansi right now take me to that vehicle? and presented to me with the logbook and the keys. No, we can't, mm-hmm. because it's been stolen. We yeah. need effective police management. We need new blood. Mm-hmm. And if we get that in place, then half the battle is won. Great stuff. Colin, thank you so much. We're going to leave it there. Thank you for joining us this evening. And I'll go for a quick ad break. Live from Cape Town, this is The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The So this evening we've been hearing about the infighting in the police in the Western Cape and how it of course impacts on the safety of citizens in the in the province. And we now want to go to the Police and Prison Civil Rights Union POP crew. We've got the spokesperson Richard Mamobolo on the line. Richard, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening to you and the listeners. Richard, so here's the thing. I mean, what do you think about the Western Cape Provincial Police Commissioner. People okay. are saying the person Kombin Kosi Jula must go. What is Pop Crew saying? Look, uh, our view has always been that uh, there's been a lot of infighting within the criminal justice cluster, uh, generally across the country. In fact, uh, you'd remember that uh, since uh, 1994, we've only had one 
police commissioner who has finished his term, which was a term of five years. That was George Fivers. Since then, there had been challenges across the country, but uh, in most recent times, uh, we're beginning to see it uh, being more exacerbated within the Western Cape. And that has been the problem, because really when you look at uh, the kinds of uh, criminal activities that are taking place in the province, it's really concerning. Uh, but at a closer look, because we cannot simply just say that police are not doing their work, but we need to obviously look into why are they not doing their work. And part of the reasons has been the infighting that has been happening within the leadership of the SAPS in the Western Cape. Since last year, well, we've had uh, a number of deputy commissioners being suspended, others being demoted. There were two who were demoted, and uh, well, recently there's been uh, one dismissed, and the other one just won their case uh, just last week. Uh, so, so, so you expect a collective to work together, to ensuring that they plan together and come out with the possible, well, the best outcomes in ensuring that they kept crime within the province. That has not been happening because one individual in the name of the provincial commissioner has been centralizing power in the Western Cape. So that has been the problem because there you have, then you've got a dysfunctional SAPS management. It affects police on the ground because, you know, police on the ground do not know whose, whose instructions they should obey and whose they should not obey and as well who to account to and who not to account to. So okay. under such an, an, an environment, there is a lot of confusion, as, as, as demonstrated by the recent uh, shootings with uh, well, the, the anti-gang unit. Part of the problems were internal rather than external. Uh-huh. The question I have to ask you now also is around the infighting, uh, you know, in the police in the Western Cape. What is the source? Where, where is all of this coming from? Look, the, the source of the infighting obviously has got a lot to do with power mongering. We think that uh, uh, as it has been demonstrating itself uh, uh, out there before, you know, you've got uh, different groupings who obviously want to uh, certainly keep certain responsibilities for themselves. You remember that before the, the launch of the anti-gang unit, there was what you called MORT, which was launched, of course, by the province. Now, as soon as government, well, the national government, the national uh, uh, office of the SAPS uh, took over the, well, and, and launched the anti-gang unit, you had the provincial commissioner resisting to disband this uh, MORT, which, of course, was set up for a specified uh, period of time, which was supposed to be three months. And part of the challenges that we had with the MORT is that uh, it relied on facilities that were used from police stations. Uh, you would have uh, around uh, uh, 300 personnel coming out of police stations on the ground where crime is actually happening and going to work for that team. That also uh, uh, affected the, well, uh, the capacity of the police because vehicles as well had to be used. And this happened on a weekly basis from from Thursdays to Mondays. So that meant that, that uh, you then decapacitate uh, uh, the strengths of police stations who are the first ones to respond to criminal activities. And that of course uh, as it goes along uh, uh, communities tend to lose respect or rather lose trust in police because anytime they report a crime it would take longer for police to arrive because they do not have sufficient vehicles. So so those have been part of the problem. But beyond that, when the, the anti-gang unit was launched uh, 
the, 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 the provincial commissioner insisted on not disbanding uh, the other unit, you know, so that created infighting, the conflict between uh, the two units, because one has got powers from the national level and the other is run by uh, from the provincial level, and then in such a circumstance, you know, where there are defined goals to reach, uh, it becomes competition instead of people collaborating and working together in ensuring that we fight crime. So when communities see such things, they then uh, begin to think that police are not doing their work. Whilst instead, uh, I think a majority of police officers are committing to, to obviously ensure that our communities are safer. But in order for that to happen, we need to obviously uh, also strengthen relations with communities as well so mm-hmm. that uh, we commonly confront the challenges in the yeah. Western Cape. I want to ask you, what is the impact on the morale of staff? You know, this infighting at the top level of the police. What impact does it have, does it have on your union members? Look, it's got a low, low the, the morale is quite low. I think uh, this is only, not only in the Western Cape. It has happened before nationally, whereas you would have inconsistencies because of the very same reasons I raised earlier that uh, uh, police do not know who to account to or who not to account to. Some of the missions that they conduct are not even uh, uh, engaged on, you know, it's just an individual taking decisions around how they are supposed to function. And most police officers have been complaining from the Western Cape that they are being uh, put into well, uh, into units that they do not know of, that they've never been spoken about, and they do not know the risks thereof as well. So that has been a challenge. Others are not even getting uh, full payment for uh, the kind of work they do. So so the morale is quite low. I think uh, that is mainly a question of leadership. Okay. Leadership let, me bring on, yes. let me bring on another guest that we have online. We have Akolile Notiawala General Secretary of the Social Justice Coalition Now the coalition of course has been monitoring a number of social issues in our society and one of them has been also looking at the police Welcome to the show Good evening and thank you for having me on the show From the Social Justice Coalition you know what is the what are you seeing as an impact of police infighting on our communities so the, the work that we've done um as the sjc around issues of policing um a lot of it has always been directed um at um, systemic and institutional issues within the south african police service um, and many of these issues are issues that can be dealt with uh, by the leadership of the police at the provincial level, but also at the national level, um, which means um, that provincial commissioners, the national commissioner and the national minister of police are the ones who have the responsibility and who have the power to be able to resolve many of these issues. Um, and therefore, it's, it, is, it is that failure um, of that leadership that contributes to the issues that we see um, on the ground, the inefficiencies um, and, and the failures of the police on the, on, on the ground. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the communities that you serve, you know, I mean, the, surely this is having an impact at that level, right? You are seeing this every day in your work. Um, exactly. Um, the, the, I mean, one of the examples of that is, is, is with regards to the issue of the allocation of police resources. Um, when we started doing, doing this work um, before the Kairucha Commission of Inquiry, um, all we were concerned about and all communities um, in the places that we're working in were concerned about were police in- inefficiencies. 
uh, but without understanding what contributes to these inefficiencies, is that the, the, the issue of the lack of um, human resources uh, or the unequal distribution of human resources um, contributes to police being in, inefficient in places such as Kailicha, because they are overburdened, um, they deal with um, a lot of um, meta dockets that they are not able um, to finalize uh, because there's fewer human um, resources. Um, and so this is an issue that can only be resolved by the national minister because how police are distributed, they are distributed at the national level. And so it's those systemic issues and those institutional issues that need to be resolved um, so that police on the ground can be effective. Mm-hmm. So now we have to wrap up the show. We have just a few short minutes left. I'm going to give each guest a brief, well, 30 seconds. I'm sorry about that. Just to give you us your closing remarks. I think we'll start with Akolile because you are already talking to us. Closing remarks um, on the topic. So, I mean, we've been engaging with the police um, for over five years now. <laughs> and... There are 20 recommendations from the Kailicha Commission of Inquiry, which could resolve many of the issues that we have in the policing in the country as a whole. Um, and five years later, this has not been dealt with. Mm-hmm. We're hoping that we can get a chance to engage with the minister and the national commissioner and make sure that these recommendations are implemented and that these issues are being dealt with. Thank you. And now let's go to Pop Crew. Your closing remarks in 30 seconds, please. Look, I think we're speaking in the same voice. I agree that uh, there should be some form of uh, well, elements which would ensure that uh, police and communities do definitely work together. And of course, I think such organizations as the one represented here, uh, perhaps we should obviously also engage further in ensuring that uh, we work together in ensuring that uh, the, the systematic issues it speaks about are obviously Fantastic. Right. Thank you. And now our studios, uh, our guest in studio, sorry. Okay, thanks. Uh, I would say that I would want to urge that there should be collaboration between police and communities. I also want to urge the provincial commissioner, um, there is still um, those members in employment where the guns went missing in Mitchell's Plain, um, and that needs to be dealt with very speedily. Uh-huh. And our last guest? Yeah, I think first and foremost we are committed to partnership policing. Um, as I've indicated, we've got the best working relationship with our station commander at Mitchell's Plain level, at the station level, but however the problems is at, at the provincial level. Um, yes, and I can echo what my colleague has said, um, from our understanding the 14 guns are still out there. The, those people that have stolen the firearm are still within the police force. So, mm-hmm. yes, um, that's a matter that we urging uh, through the media that the Hawks needs to come back to us and give us an update on how far the investigation are. Um, but we are committed to partnership policing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, the end of another edition of Burning Issue from myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Assalamu alaikum.